0: We are continuing our sermon series called Baddest of the Bible. The baddest. A lot of times we, we do series talking about all the heroes of the Bible, the good guys. You know, they inspire us how to, you know, live godly or, or how to um, handle certain situations correctly. But I think sometimes we need to learn from the bad guys. I don't know if you're, if you're anybody here into... Um, you know, uh, movie like uh, comic book character movies, like superhero movies. Anybody, anybody in here? You know, there, there is a, there is a, a, a thing that's going on. Now, it, now from I, I, never really remember this as a kid. You were either just good or bad. They really, they never really told, told the, the bad guy's story. And there's this, there's this kind of this thing now where, where they're. Doing backstories of, of of villains, and so it kind of gives you a little bit more compassion when you realize that you know the, they are that way because of you know nobody's just born bad. It's usually you know scenarios and events, you know stuff that happened, and then and then it kind of spiraled down, and then before you know it, you've got this villain, and you know oftentimes um, you know you can you can sometimes see that happen in in the Bible, but other times. Uh, you know, we just kind of see people are just straight evil. And so we're talking about the baddest of the Bible. So this is a fun series, but yet it's kind of challenging talking about the villains. And so we've talked about a few of the villains. And so today we're going to talk about one of the guy that we put on the list as one of the baddest in the Bible, and that is Cain. So if you, know, if you know of the account of Cain and Abel, it's found in Genesis 4. We're going to be reading that in just a moment. And we put Cain on our list as one of the baddest in the Bible, first and foremost, because friends, he is the, he is the world's first murderer. And uh, not only is he the world's first murderer, he murders his own brother. So I mean, it's like a two for one with him. And so before we read the Bible, before we get into this, I just want to let you know we do have a live event on uh, our U version. So if you have U version, get on that piece, go to events, type in Vision Waterville. You'll have uh, it'll pop up. It'll look just like this. You know you're in the right spot because we got the nice little graphic. And you can follow right along. If not, you can follow along on the screens or you can actually open your Bibles. We still believe in that, right? Bringing your Bible to church. If you've got that old school leather bound, you can still bring that piece, open that up to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to pray. Father, we just thank you, God, again, God, that we have the opportunity of learning your word, and Lord, we thank you that, God, that we can, God, learn on, on the, of the accounts of these different individuals, glean upon them, Lord, and God, I believe that there are some major truths that, God, that we can hold on to uh, just because of just uh, some of the things that Cain went through, and Lord, we ask, God, that you would speak to us ever so powerfully through your word today. God, let it cut everything that needs to be cut away in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, "Amen." Amen. All right. Genesis chapter four. We're going to read fifteen verses. So you guys got to stick with me. Hopefully, you helped yourself to that curic and got your morning coffee today, or got that morning donut to give you that little sugar, that little sugar rush. A lot of times, what happens? I know I say this a lot. A lot of times, we when the when the we start reading the word, and the word is the most powerful part. We start reading the word, and we start. Drifting and dazing, and, and I know, I, I know this happens. Some of you guys have got your smartphone, so you pull up your, your Bible app, but then all of a sudden you decide to pull up your Facebook app too because you just got a little notification. So try as we're reading, try to stay focused on the word. I know it happens. And uh, we're going to read through this and find out what happened here. If you've, if you've read this account before, cool. If not, we're going to read this for the first time. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read the first 15 verses. And this is what it says. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. So we got Cain and Abel. You've probably heard of Cain and Abel. There we go. There they are. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So, there, so we just know their job description right there. Cain obviously is a farmer and his younger brother Abel is a shepherd. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? That's just so bad. The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. Man, part of his curse is, you know, he was a farmer, so part of his curse is now he can't, his job is going to be unfruitful. It's pretty rough. What if, what if the very thing that you were gifted in doing because of disobedience, God took it from you? That's, that's pretty tough, huh? Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. What a way to go. Now, do you see why this is, uh, this is one of our guys here? One of our guys in the list as the baddest of the Bible? So, friends, this is the thing. What makes Cain so dangerous? This is what makes him so dangerous. What makes Cain so dangerous is that in one moment, he is in the very presence of God, offering his gift of labor, and in the next moment, it's like the very next verse, he is covered in the blood of his brother, that's what makes Cain so dangerous. What makes Cain dangerous is not that he didn't know God. We, we get it when you have a serial killer that doesn't have a relationship with God, or you have somebody that, that doesn't walk with God and they're, they're evil. We get it. They don't know God. That's what we chuck it out to. They don't, they don't know what Jesus, you know, they don't have a relationship with God. They're just, they just evil. But what makes Cain so dangerous is he did have a relationship with God and he was in the very presence of God and spoke and had dialogue with God and, w- and had murder in his heart even after that. That's what makes Cain so dangerous. How is it that someone can converse with God? Not a demon, not deception. He didn't converse with the devil. He didn't create his own God in his own image. No, he, he spoke he spoke to God directly, had conversations with God, was in his very presence, and then kills his own brother. Friends, this is why. Friends, he had the characteristics of Satan inside of him. The Bible says that Satan, what, was a murderer from the beginning, remember? Anybody anybody, remember that verse? He's a liar. He's a murderer, right? The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Kill. That's one of the characteristics of the devil is to kill. So he has the characteristics of the devil in him. Satan was, check this out, the very same thing happened with the devil. Satan was in the very presence of God, the very, right, was in heaven with God, and even in his very presence had rebellion in his heart and took a third of the angels with him. Anybody, anybody know about that, right? So so the, very, so the very act that Satan did where he rebelled, being in the presence of God, this is exactly what Cain did. Cain was in the presence of God and rebelled by allowing murder to overtake him and killed his own brother. I wrote like a something here on the side, like the last minute. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is the thing. Who you spend more time with is who you will emulate. So my question when I read this account, we already know that the serpent, right, that he spoke to Eve, his mother, and caused him to sin, Right? So was and it's is, this is this is just me kind of jumping out there it's not in scripture. Was Cain entertaining the voice of the enemy? Was Cain entertaining if 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 Eve was listening to, to the serpent and that's his mom was was the devil now speaking to her son? Absolutely. Because in God there's no there's no murder in God. Right? If he was actually spending time with God, there would not be murder in his heart. If he was actually communing with God, God has a, you know, you take on, you take on the attributes of who you spend time with. You don't believe that? How long have you been married to the person you're with? I've been married to my wife for it'll be 17 years next month. And we've we have found out, not because we know, but because people tell us. We laugh the same now. You know, we say we have some of the same jokes. You know, we, we have some of the same mannerisms. We have some of the same facials. Now, we were both, you know, opposite sides of Toledo. She grew up in South Toledo. I grew up in North Toledo. Two different parents. Never was, was, was around each other growing up. But because we've been together for so long, you start taking on the attributes of the person you're around. Whether good or bad. It just, it is what it is. So, you know, so it, and that, it's one of the reasons why we, you know, when we're, when we're teaching and preaching and encouraging about who are you hanging out with? Because if you're hanging with people that aren't doing anything with their life, most likely you're not going to do anything with your life either. If you're hanging with people that are doing something for, with themselves, most likely that's going to So anyways, that, that's nowhere else. We'll just kind of get back to this. So Satan leads a rebellion, takes a third of the angels with him. Again, I'm assuming that the devil who is in Eve's ear was now in Cain's ear, and Cain obviously entertained that sin. So the Bible in the, in the New Testament, it talks, about, it talks about Cain a few times. This is why the Bible talks about Cain in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. And this is what it says about Cain. It says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one. What? Hold on here. And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because of his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. First John chapter three is saying that he belonged to the devil. Cain, talking with God, giving sacrifices to God, working hard, toiling, laboring for God, giving him. But yet it says he belonged to the devil. This is why Jesus says in the end times he's going to he's going to separate. He's going to. Separate his people. It's like sheep and goats. And he's going to say to his sheep, You better be a sheep. You better be a sheep. He's going to say to his sheep on the right, Come, inherit your father's happiness. You know, you you know, you've done all these things. And he said, When and they'll say, When did we ever do all these things? When did we clothe you and feed you and do all these things? He said, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. And then he's going to look over to the goats. You don't want to be a goat. On the left, and he's going to say, Depart from me, you evil ones, you workers of lawlessness, you, you wicked ones, because you did not feed me, you didn't clothe me, you didn't do all this. And they're like, when did we ever see you hungry or naked and do all these things? And he said, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And so there are going to be people, there are people that are raised in church together. But to find out the true attitude and, and what they've done with, with, with uh, their faith and with their relationship with God, that's going to be all sorted out in the end, you can look righteous to me. You can put on the best face for church, but I don't know. I, I, the Lord does not reveal everything to people, even though I'm prophetic. God doesn't, I think sometimes the Lord doesn't, because, I mean, what would it be like if I was to sit here and just, like, call you on your sin every time you came to church? That's not fun. I mean, maybe that needs to happen. And God does do that from time to time. I've seen him do it, you know, on some one-on-one basis. But anyway. So John calls him belonging to the evil one. And then Jude makes mention of him as well. Jude mentions Cain in Jude chapter 1, verse 11. And this is what he says. He says, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. They, had, they have rushed for profit in Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Who is Jude talking about? Friends, Jude is talking about people that are in the house of God, that have evil in their hearts, and that are doing uh, evil deeds and practices. He's talking about people who are in the church. He's not talking about people out on the streets. He's not talking about the thugs out there over there on uh, Prouty Street. He's not. He's not talking seriously. He's not talking about 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 the human traffickers that are that are, are trying to go through our city. He's talking about the people in the church, and he and he says that they have taken the way of Cain. They've rushed the prophets uh, into Balaam's air, and they have dest- they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Those are those are some. Wicked people that that did some different things. You have to go back and we don't have time to get into all of these different things, what he's talking about. But he's talking about people in the church. And so the way of Cain is being in the house of God, having evil on your heart. Cain is listed among the evil men because, friends, he has a list of characteristics that identifies him as such. Friends, number one, friends, Cain had hidden sin. He had hidden sin. How do I know he had hidden sin? Because he took his brother out to a field and tried to kill him without anybody knowing about it. Look at your neighbor and say, Hidden sin. Hidden sin, trying to hide it, trying to keep it from everybody, hidden sin. You know it's hidden, you know it's hidden sin when you when you are embarrassed when if somebody sees you doing it. Right? If you're doing something and and if you would be embarrassed, if I was to walk in while you're doing it and you're embarrassed by it, that's hidden sin. Right? Hello? Yeah? If I'm doing something, that, and you were to walk in to see me do it, and, and I didn't want you to see me do it, that would be called hidden sin. I'm not just putting you on blast there. I put myself on blast. And so it's our, it's our responsibility as followers of Christ. I love, I love uh, what a man of God said. He said, if you embarrass sin, sin won't embarrass you. That's why, there's, that's why we confess our sins one to another. That's why, we, that's why we repent. That's why we ask to turn from our sins. All these different things. So he had hidden sin. And friends, uh, as a believer, you are deceiving yourself if you believe that you have a sin issue in your life and I'm okay because I love God. Okay? That you're just deceiving yourself. So you can't have hidden sin. Okay? Just confess it. Not that we don't struggle. Not that, that we don't stumble. Okay? You will not be perfect Ever. But that doesn't give us a right to, to, to just continue doing what we're going to do. When I started making a, a commitment to Christ because of my love and affection for him, I started reading the Bible. And the way that I was living, I was living a sexual promiscuous lifestyle. I was with a, a girlfriend of mine that I was with for, for two and a half years. And, and when I started reading the Bible and I started reading what it said about, about what relationship looks like between man and woman, I had to make a choice. I either I'm going to choose to keep living the way I, I'm going to live, or I'm going to believe what the Bible says, that it says they will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and so I have to make a choice from that, and that's each and every one of our decisions. I can't make that choice for you. You can only make that choice for yourself. When, you confront, when you're confronted with the truth of the word of God and your lifestyle, you either conform your lifestyle to what the word says... Or you live the way that you that you think you can live and think that God is is going to forgive you, and friends, that is deception. So, so we you know, we preach the word, believing the truth of the word, and God has called us to live, He's called us to live set apart. Is it easy? Heck no, it isn't easy. Is it is it is is living for Jesus easy? No, it isn't. But that's why that's why the reward is so, so amazing. The reward is so powerful. We get to be with him forever because it's hard work. That's why it says to him who endures to the end, will be saved. There's a lot of people that have a good start, but friends, we need to have a good finish. It doesn't matter how good you start. What matters is how good you finish. (laughs) She knows about it, right? You can, you can, anybody here ever run? One person. Okay. For the rest of us next week, we're going to run. No, just joking. (laughs) If you've ever run before, Usually you have a lot of energy at the beginning, right? I mean, you, and if you don't pace yourself, you, you, you will just, you will, you will fizzle out quickly. And so there's a lot of people that have good, yeah, and you condition yourself. We had, uh, a number of years ago, we, we uh, took our kids all to Machindo. This is, nothing, I just want to talk in the, just for one second. We took all of our kids to Machindo, and, uh, and so there's this lake, and it's about a mile and a half, I think, around the lake. And so I was the, I was the athletic person for the morning. So I'd have them do push ups and sit ups and all this other stuff. And I mean you you thought kids could whine? I mean you start having them do physical exercise. They're really whining. It's actually pretty fun. So so I didn't let them know that, that, that we were going to run around. You know, I don't let them know because cause then they're going to complain about it the whole day. So every day they come in, it be something new. So, you know, one time I had them do, where they were just like doing like this little relay run, running back and forth. The other time, like I said, they were doing push-ups and sit-ups, and I had them doing all kinds of stuff. So then the one, I already, I already knew I was going to have them run around the lake one of the, one of the mornings. So, and I only told them it was a mile, and it was actually a mile and a half. So, you know, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to make it feel like, you know, like it was smaller because then if when they do it, and I say, well it was actually a little bit further Then there's like this confidence like I'm like yeah it's about a mile you know around because they were asking me how big is the lake I said eh, it's about a mile when it, you know it's really like a mile and a half so 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 we went so you know I you know told them what we're going to do it was real easy just follow around the path so we get started and I'm telling you a handful of kids I mean they burst out like lightning they I mean they're they're going full fledged right so so I'm just I'm just doing a nice little jog I'm jogging and I had some of the kids jogging with me and they're like Pastor Josh, can't you, can't you go faster? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can. But I'm not going to because this is a, we've, we've got a ways to go here. So would you not know all those kids that went bursting up ahead, they're walking now, and, 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 and the old man is passing them up now. Right? So, you know, they all finished, and we all had a good time and all that other stuff. But, friends, it doesn't matter how good we start. What matters is how good we finish. And so that's, in the, that's our walk with God, and, and Paul even talks about running a good race. He talks about all these different things. And so this guy had hidden sin in his heart. Uh, secondly, another characteristic that, that, that identifies him as, as evil is, friends, he had outward disobedience. God specifically told him exactly what to do, and he didn't do it. Isn't that what, one, what most of us want? I mean, isn't it so easy? Like, God, just tell me what to do. And then he tells you, and you're like, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> God, tell me what you want me to do. Well, do this. No, I don't want to do that. Is there something else? God specifically told him exactly what to do. He said, hey, look, you need to master this sin. It's going to overtake you. You need to master this thing. This thing is crouching at the door it's trying to have you. You got you to you get this in control, right? Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, hey, Cain, you need to calm yourself down. You need to get this in control because if not, this is going to mess you up. God gave him instructions. He just did completely the very next verse, the exact opposite of what God said to do. So he has outward disobedience. So the Bible says, friends, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's Jesus' word. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Thirdly, friends, another characteristic is Cain was the first murderer. Obviously, we know that, right? He killed his brother. That's rough, man. The Bible says that, it talks about, Jesus says that if you have anger in your heart, then, if you have anger, if you're holding on to anger, that's murder in your heart. And so that's where it starts. Sin doesn't, Cain didn't just one day wake up and say, I'm killing my brother. No, he allowed anger to fester in his heart to bring him to the point that he would actually act out the physical action of killing his brother. Okay, there's a progression of sin. It's found in in James chapter 1. And so it starts out like a thought, an idea, and then what we do is we we choose to marinate on that thing, we choose to, to let it fester, we choose to add fuel to that thing, and then we find ourselves actually acting out on that thing, and that's why it's so important that the Bible talks about us taking every thought captive. Look at your neighbor and say, take every thought captive. So when you're ha- when you have a thought, you don't have to act on it. You know how many times a day I say I rebuke you in the name of Jesus the thoughts that come through my mind? You know, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher. It doesn't matter if you've been living for God for 50 years or five minutes. Every single one of us, the enemy puts thoughts in our mind. I'm driving, and and just the most stupidest thought would come across my head. I'm like, that's stupid. Shut up, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I just say it out loud, just because I'm in my car and I'm by myself. And you know, I mean, if you you know. I mean if you're getting bothered by so bad and you're and you're in Walmart and you're and, and the enemy is just tormenting in your mind, just go ahead and say it out loud. You may look stupid, but I guarantee you that thing leaves. Why? Because remember I talked about the power that's inside of you? It says if you submit to the if you submit then to God, resist the devil, he will flee. James 4 8. So if you say, shut up, devil, get away from me, he's gotta go. Look at your neighbor, say, he's gotta go. He's gotta go. And then thirdly, friends, he was cursed. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessings of obedience. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 28 talks about blessings of obedience. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be prosperous, you know, all these different things. He talks about blessings, all the blessings that happen when you walk in obedience. But then the whole rest of the chapter is all about the curses that will come upon those who walk in disobedience. You know, some of the curses of disobedience are having, are having a, mind, uh, a madness and blindness of mind I believe, and this is just this is what I believe, and, and the Lord can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe I'm wrong. I believe that, that a lot of the mental illness today is generational curses of sin. And so maybe they inherited, because it says, I will curse down to the third and fourth generation. I believe a lot, not all, but I believe a lot of some of the mental things that we see now is a curse, especially in South Toledo, is a curse because of, of generational sin, meaning maybe the grand, you know, there's just sin that happened. It's a part of the curse of Deuteronomy 28. He says, blindness and madness of mind. Curse. Look at James. neighbor, say curse. Don't say curse you. Don't do that. Just say curse. It just happened. Cain was cursed. So we know Cain was a bad dude. We know that he sinned and killed his brother, and we know that he was cursed. But here, but this is this is the part that is always that I've always questioned. And you know, I believe I have some. I believe the Lord gave me some revelation on this. And so, my question, I asked myself this a number of years ago, and I'll ask you the same question. So, why did God look with favor upon Abel's gift, but not Cain's? Right? Like why? Like why? Why was there a why was there a differentiation? Why did God say, I accept this one and I don't accept that one? You know, and some would say, well, because he gave, he gave a sacrifice, uh, you know, uh, of, of animal and God accepted animal. No, in the Old Testament, God accepted animal sacrifice and grain sacrifice. He accepted all of those. So it's not that one was better, quote unquote, than the other. Okay, it's not like you take your wife out shopping and, you know, what, you know do, do I take you to Walmart or I take you to, uh, what, name some fancy place. Dillard's, Dillard's, no, not Dillard's, what's that? <laughs> Aunt Margaret's fancy place is Dillard's, friends, so no, <laughs> no, wait, what, what? I, I, you go, what's that, Myers. Myers, what, what, Tiffany's, okay, Tiffany's, yeah, so, so it's not like, it's not like you say, okay, babe, I'm going to take you on a hot date, and so we're going to buy you, we're going to buy you something real nice, and here's your choices, Walmart or Tiffany's, it's not like that, right, I mean, I mean, I just love Walmart. I love the clothes that fall apart after you wash them like three times. So, no, what? Walmart is great. I already give them too much of my money, so I can talk bad about them just a little tiny bit. So, so it's not like that. When they gave an offering to the Lord, it would have been one hundred percent acceptable to God, whether it was grain or whether it was an animal sacrifice, because God accepted all of those things. So why was there favor on one and not favor on the other? Well, I believe that that the answer is found in the scripture of the story. I believe it's found in the account. Uh, We're going to read just a few verses. I just want I want to I just want to highlight just a few words here. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, this is what it says, and we just we've already read this, but I just want to read it one more time. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought, and I highlighted on the screens, Cain brought some, say some. Some of the fruits of the soil is an offering to the Lord. Verse 4, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn. Say the firstborn. So right off the, right off the bat, when you just take a moment just to review the text, we see that there is a differentiation in what Cain, the way, what Cain presented and what Abel presented. It says that Cain just brought some. It didn't say he brought his best. But it says that Abel brought his firstborn. He brought his first fruit. He brought his most, uh, most, you know, the strongest, the best. That's what the the first was usually the strongest and the best. So we see right here we see that Cain is bringing just something, and and Abel is bringing his best. So friends, right off the top, I believe one of the things that would answer this question: Why did God look at favor? Upon one and not the other, is friends number one, Cain didn't bring his best to God. Cain didn't bring his best. We see this in scripture where God went as a follower, as a believer in God, where he talks about us bringing the first fruits of our increase. It's called the tithe, you know, 10% of our income. He calls it first fruits. He says, you know, bring the Lord the first fruits, bring the best, right? Bring your, bring your first, bring your best. The Lord has asked us to not just bring sloppy seconds, not to bring what's left over. Okay, I'm going to you know, do my thing, and then i got a few nickels left over. Here you go, God. No, the Lord went in, 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 tr- in a true act of worship, especially in the Old Testament, and the Lord would call for a tenth of your increase. And so, friends, um, it's awesome to live generously. It just really is. I just I encourage every single person here if you don't practice tithing you should try it. It's actually a lot of fun. It's kind of scary. It's an act of faith. And you actually find yourself do you know that you can do better living on 90 than living on 100? Do you know that? Because God says I will supply all your needs according to his riches of glory. There are there are multiple verses where God says, "Test me and see me in this and all these different things." Friends, my wife and I we've been practicing tithing since we first gave our life to Christ we do above and beyond that not to say that to boast but just to let you know we do our part and above that because we believe we want to live generously and I I just there's something about where God has asked us to bring our best he gave his best for us which was Jesus and he asked us to bring our best so Cain when he's bringing his gift to God he doesn't bring his best so that's first and foremost number two and this is where it gets kind of sticky we're going to read the scriptures, and that's why, that's why we, we find out, well, why was, this, why was there favor on one and not favor on the other? Number two, friends, Cain's life didn't match up with his act of worship. Cain's life didn't match up to his act of worship. His sacrifice, those in the Old Testament, that was, that was their act of doing the same thing that we just did this morning when we had our hands raised. Some of us were jumping. I'm always shouting because I love God. You know, you're clapping. You're singing. And so your, your, our act of worship would be, would be equivocal to, to slaughtering an animal on an altar in the Old Testament. Okay? So his life didn't match up with his gift. How do we know this? Well, just for a moment, let's take a look at God's instruction. When God gives instruction to Cain, uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and look up on the screens in Genesis. We're going to read verse 7 here, and it says this. It says, God is bringing instruction to Cain, and this is what he says. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Why would, God bring a, why would God even say that to Cain unless he was living a life that was wrong? Are you getting this? you got to kind of read the text. He's telling him, he said, I will accept your gift if you were actually living out rightly. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I, I would accept it. I, I, looked at, at, I looked at Abel's offering with favor because he actually is living right. But he says, I'll accept your gift if you live right too. Why would God say that unless Cain wasn't living right? And it doesn't go, we, we don't know what Cain was doing, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't get into how he was acted wicked. Just I know if God is bringing a correction in an area of our life, it's because he knows. He knows. And maybe it was because Cain was, had hidden sin in his life. And so it looked all good, looked all holy, but yet he had hidden sin. So God is rejecting his sacrifice because he's, he's living in disobedience. My Bible notes said that Cain lacked in faith in his heart, and his heart was selfish. He had a heart that chose to do what was not right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 talks about, talks about the, the gifts. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 it says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. So it's saying that Abel, again, just kind of separating the two, it's saying Abel brought and presented a gift to the Lord, and he was considered righteous, okay? And he had the better gift. It says, by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So just kind of just letting you know, it wasn't that it was a better gift and that it was was better stuff. It was a better gift because it was brought to the Lord with a right heart. Look at your neighbor and say, right heart. Friends, in the Old Testament, for example, you can bring you can bring a bull to the Lord. You can bring a cow, cow, or you could bring a pigeon. Pigeon was a lot cheaper. The bull was a lot more expensive. A lot more money went into to, to raising the bull. If you had the bull, even though it's more expensive, and you had a and your heart wasn't right, and then you had a pigeon that you offered to the Lord. The Lord will will be more will have more favor on the pigeon than He would on the bull, even though it's a greater sacrifice. That's why He looked at the woman. Jesus looked at the woman when all these people are giving their money, and Jesus is standing there. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine us like passing the offering plate and Jesus standing here and saying, "What are you going to give in there?" I'm just looking to see what what what's you. Uh, is that it? <laughs> I mean, what if what if Jesus was because that's what it said. It says he was standing by the offering plate, and he see all these people giving in. And this and this and this elderly woman gave two pennies. And it said she's given the most because she gave everything. Are you getting it? Okay. So there are people that probably gave big wads of cash in there, but the woman that had a little bit she gave all she had. And God looked upon her with favor. Now we we read about her all the time. Who would have thought she given she given her last little bit that she would be someone we could glean upon for thousands of years. It's pretty awesome. All right, enough of that. Number 3. This is the part that many of us, if you find yourself being kind of stubborn at times, <laughs> talking about myself. Number three, friends, one more thing. One more thing to note, Cain didn't receive correction. He had a hard time when someone tried to tell him what to do. Anybody in here have a hard time when somebody tries to tell you what to do from time to time? I mean, it's, I, think, I think all of us should have your hand raised up. If you're not, you're lying right now. And, and, and we're going to have an altar call. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you that you stop receiving yourself. I think all of us from time to time have a hard time receiving correction. You know what I mean? I think we do. Um, especially, especially trying to receive correction from somebody that you're close to, like a spouse. Or, or how many of you guys are grown and your mom is still trying to bring you correction? You're like, I'm grown. I don't need to listen to you. Okay, she, she, you, she, she still has, she, she may not have authority over you in that aspect, but she has, still has every right to speak in your life. I mean, you can, you can kindly disagree without dishonoring her, uh, you know. But, I mean, you know, she has been living for quite some time. You should take into consideration what she has to say. And, you know, I think sometimes it's harder for us to receive those that are closest to us. I'm telling you, like, for, like real. Like, okay, here, r- real quick scenario. I got, I got a few minutes. So I remember one time when my wife and I, um, you know, when you're, when you're married to somebody, you know their are best, you know they're worst, you just, you know. And when you have a relationship with God, I believe the Lord's given me wisdom, you know, into my family and stuff like that. So, so my wife was dealing with, with something, and I said, well, you know, blah, 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 and just kind of gave her kind of this little thing, told her what she needed to do. And she was like, whatever, she didn't receive it, right? So I'm like, okay, whatever. So then she calls her best friend who lives in Youngstown, (laughs) her best friend says the exact same thing that I said. And so she gets off the phone. She's like, oh, man, I had the greatest conversation. And Laura said I needed blah, 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 blah. I'm like, babe, I just told you the exact same thing like two days ago. I just think sometimes we have the hardest time receiving from those that are closest to us. Now, that was a number of years ago. My wife has gotten a lot better now. Um, I mean, she... (laughs) (laughs) Like how i like how I clean that up there She receives from her husband now. Oh, it's all great. It's kind of funny just a few days ago she was saying honey i i feel like I feel like the Lord has a word for you and um you know, and so like you know I mean any of us would be like, what you know, okay." <laughs> You <laughs> know, you know you're like you're kind of like what, what 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 are you going to say? What do you say? And she and she actually and she said something and and I'm like, "Oh man, okay. I get it. Yeah, I received that." And you know, now old Josh would be like, Psh, "Who are you? Tell me what to do. What's wrong with you? Shut up." <laughs> so Cain couldn't receive correction. Friends, he he wasn't humble. And so two things, friends, if you can remain these two things If you can do these for the rest of your life, you'll be good. You'll be golden. If you can remain humble and teachable, friends, if you can hold on to to those two things, you'll be golden for the rest of your life. It don't matter if you are a top CEO of a company or if you're living in a box. (laughs) If you can remain humble and teachable, you'll be golden. It just is what it is. Our life is, you know what, we have to allow people to speak into our life and, and sometimes we don't want to receive it. So you need to, you know, I always, I always do this. You know, if somebody says something to you, sometimes people are just off the wall. Sometimes it's just a lie of the devil. It just, it is what it is. But a lot of times people, God likes to speak through people that we don't want to listen to. And that happens a lot. (laughs) So we need to be humble and say, okay, God, I know you're trying to say something. And if you feel the Lord giving you words for people to try to bring, you know, correction to them, you need to pray about how to say that. Because sometimes sometimes it's not what you're saying, it's the way you say it. You can be 100% in what you're saying and 100% wrong in the way you say it. You know that? <laughs> so God told them exactly what to do, exactly what, to, what was going to happen. Verse 7. I just want to read verse 7 in the Amplified here because this is... So it says, he says in verse 7 uh, in the NIV, it says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. I love what it says in the Amplifying. And it says, if you do well, believe me, and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instructions, oh sin crouches at your door, it desires to have its desire is for you, to overpower you. You must master it. So God gives instructions. Not only not only is this instructional for Cain, I believe that this verse is instructional for us as believers. I believe this is a prophetic declaration over a follower of Christ. And that's this. It says, sin crouches at your door, it desires to have you and overpower you, but you must master it. Friends, that is the victorious Christian walk. Sin, you don't have to chase after sin. Sin is chasing after you. Gentlemen in here, lust is chasing after you. Ladies in here, insecurity is chasing after you. There is sin that is waiting to pounce on you. But the cool thing is, is is, is if God told us that we can master it, then you can master it. You can't, you don't have to say, well, I just have to do this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Okay. So I was in, so I, uh, you know, in my, my life growing up, my dad, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, I, I say this with, with, with the most respect. Okay. You know, my dad lived a, a you know, very promiscuous life, uh, even while married to my mom multiple uh, partner, you know, he you just, you know, you know, cheating on her all the time, you know, with multiple different women all the time. And, um, and so, you know, they, you know, they went through an ugly divorce. The cool thing about that is that's how my mom committed her life to Christ through that. That's how I uh, committed my life through that. So, so, you know, d- you know, devastation to a family brought my wife, my mom and my life to Christ. And so, so a number of years uh, afterward, I'm actually on a hunting trip with my dad. Uh, my dad went through a, went through a you know, real nasty uh, time in his life, like really you know, went into drugs and all this other stuff, and then hit rock bottom. I used to pray for my dad. And that, that was my prayer. I said, Lord, don't let him die. Let him hit rock bottom until there's nothing else left for him to say, I need you. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, so I'm on a hunting trip with him one time, and we're, you know, it was, uh, we're driving out to like right there on the border of Indiana, and it's about an hour, trip, hour there and back. And we're having some conversation, and we're just talking, you know, man-to-man now. You know, I'm a man. He's a man. We're having some man-to-man conversation. And we're talking about stuff, and I, and I just was, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to just talk because, I, you know, I'm, I can get bold with it with my family. And, and so I'm just, like, talking about, you know, him and my mom and, and how he cheated on her, you know, all these years and, and what, what kind of pain that, that, you know, that brought upon us and me and blah, 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 and yada, yada. And this is what he said. He said, you know, son... There are just some things that a man can't control. I looked at him as dead in his face. I said, Dad, I love you, but you are dead wrong. Because I'm a man just like you, with impulses and urges just like you. But I have stayed committed to my wife, and so you're dead wrong. Why? Because this right here, sin crouches at the door. You must master it. See, there was, a, there was a point in his life, he obviously didn't have a relationship with God. He didn't know how to master it. But when you, come, when you, when you know that God is for you, he's got your back. He's, he, you know, that he's not going to cause you to do something apart from, from him empowering you. So, so, when, so, when, uh, so when the spirit of adultery came knocking at my door, right? Generational curses from the third and fourth generation. My grandfather was an adulterer. My father was an adulterer. What do you think was knocking at my door? Adultery. When adultery is knocking at my door, I said in the name of Jesus, I don't think so, right? Mastering it, crying out before the Lord saying, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to bring my family through that type of devastation, not because I want to be better, not because I want to toot my own horn, no, because I want to follow you and I want to walk uprightly and I want this thing to break and I don't want my sons to have to deal with the same emotional garbage that I had to go through. Are you seeing this? Sin is crouching at your door, you must master. Friends, Cain, when he sinned like that, it didn't just affect him. It didn't just affect Abel. It affected his parents too. When you sin on a large scale, it affects everyone that's around you. It hurts those that are closest to us. Sorry to get on a tangent, but man, I'm so passionate about it. That we have to live a life, man, that pleases God because, man, we we are hurting people around us when we don't. And he's given us the ability to do it. He's given us the ability to live uprightly. Sin is is chasing after you. Sin wants you. He wants you. He's got you you in his bullseye. For men, I mean, like I said, lust, perversion, that's everywhere. For women, I I believe every man has to fight lust in his life. He just has to fight it. You either feed it or you fight it. That's all there is to it. You either give in to it or you choose to fight it. And I believe every woman deals with insecurity on some level. I mean, there's just—I mean, I mean, you're—you're—I mean, you're, they condition you. You have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. I mean, it's just—it is what it is. So, if I'm wrong, correct me after service. But I believe that's—I believe that's every person's battle. Plus, a lot more, obviously. So, a few things we can learn from him. A Few things. What can we learn from Cain? Well, there's a whole lot we can learn from Cain. But friends, number one, we can learn sin is out to get you. Sin went in Cain and it did. And he gave into it. And, he, and, and his sin was to the severity of him killing his own brother. Jealousy. He was jealous. He let that jealousy fester. He let that anger fester. Sin is out to get you. <laughs> and it's costly. The consequences are costly. Number two, the thing that we can learn from Cain is, friends, we need to receive instruction. We need to be Teachable. Receiving instruction isn't always fun, especially using usually the vessel God likes to use. It's never it's never fun. Number three, friends, we can't hide our sin. It just it is what it is. Paul, uh, God told Cain when he said, well, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Do I know where he's at? He said, come on, Cain. The blood cries out. So we can't hide it. We can probably hide it from people, but we can't hide it from him. can't hide your sin. And then finally, number four, friends, what we can learn from Cain is, friends, having a right heart is just as important as the gift that we give to him. So it's not, it's not in, it's not in the, the value of the gift. Having a right heart is just as important. So, friends, as, we're, as we continue learning about the baddest of the Bible, friends, we need to do our very best to not follow in Cain's example To give our giving into our sin and fleshly impulses, and finding and and finding ourselves devastating our family, and then at the end even being cursed because because ultimately that's what happened. He was driven from God's presence, and he was cursed, and so he couldn't be with his family any longer. And the very thing that he was gifted to do was cursed. Stand your feet with me, if you can. I know this is a tough message. It's a tough word. Hey, I had a little picture up there. Could you could you put that picture? Could you put that picture up there? You guys remember the Karate Kid? You guys remember this guy? I love Karate Kid. This is Karate Kid Part Two. He finds himself in Okinawa. He's trying to mind his own business, right? And so there's this bully guy. He's he keeps messing with Daniel LaRusso. And so Daniel looks at this guy and says, "Hey, man." I'm not looking for any trouble. This guy looks at Daniel square back in his face. He says, maybe trouble looking for you in his broken English. Friends, sin is out to get us. It wants to destroy you. It wants to destroy your future. It wants to destroy your legacy. we got to stand firm in the power of God, uprightly, and we got to master it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God for your word, God, your word that you've given us. God, and we thank you that, Father, I believe that God, that you want each and every one of us to walk in victory. And and we just, for a moment, God, we just kind of seen the life of Cain and seen how he gave in to his jealousy and anger and devastated his his relationship with his parents and drove him away from his inheritance. And he was cursed for the rest of his days. And there are, there are consequences for when we God when we make bad decisions and so Father I believe God I believe that you if we have said yes to you God if we have said God will you lead and guide the footsteps of my life I believe that the Holy Spirit is inside each and every one of us to God bring conviction or to God give us the red flag when we're getting ready to make a a mistake I pray that that thing would be ever just so increased in our life I pray that discernment would just, would just increase in your life. I pray that a spirit of discernment would just rise up inside of you. I pray that wisdom would rise up inside of you. That, that when you're in the valley of decision, when, when, when there's a, an opportunity for you to do something that, that could be devastating, that can, man, cause your whole life to spiral downward, I pray that the Lord would just, would just illuminate and say, er, pause, hold on, slow down. I just pray, God, that you would speak so, just like, you, just like you told Cain. You told him exactly. You need to master this. I pray, God, that you would speak to us, God, when we're about to make a real stupid decision. <laughs> I, I receive that over myself in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that over me. God, we don't want to make decisions, that God, that, that destroy our families, God, or even destroy our future. God, we want to make decisions that honor you. God, we want to make decisions, God, that, that are empowered by you. And so, Father, we just thank you, God, for who you are and what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Now, friends, I'm going to go ahead and ask if, you know, if you're in here today and you find yourself struggling with a sin issue, you know, there's power when you join and pray with people. And I'm gonna ask you if there's a if there's a specific thing and, and it's it's obviously it's not like a magic genie where you know you you know we we pray for you and then all of a sudden it fix, but there's something about when somebody touches and agrees with you and says, I'm standing with you alongside you in this area of your life and I'm gonna pray for you. There's something powerful when we confess that, when we put that out there, and when we when we join with a brother or sister in Christ, there's something powerful about about taking that stand against the enemy in that area of your life. And so I'm going to ask you today, friends, if there is a specific sin issue in your life, or you got something that you've been that man's been weighing you down, something that that you just have, man, you've been fighting through this thing, and you just haven't got a breakthrough. I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to take some time. We're going to pray for you today. I'm going to join in faith with you today, and just believe God with you. Stand in agreement with you. And um, and just speak a blessing over you today. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to take a, a courageous step out of your seat and to come forward, and we're going to pray for you. And as people are doing that, I'm going to go ahead and pray a blessing over you. So so then, if you feel like you got to be dismissed, you can do that too. And so I go again. I want to just remind some of our visitors. We do have we have a gift for you at each of our tables. You can grab one of those, and we're so thankful that you've joined with us. And so friends, may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today.